Titus 2 uh, continues from the older men to the uh, older women, older, the younger uh, women, and now the younger men. And I'm going to put Titus in the category of younger men, just because what Paul says to Titus is Titus 2.1, all of Titus 1, but he also refers to Titus back in verse 7 and 8 again. So I'm going to assume he's a, a middle-aged uh, man, and if Titus is similar to Timothy, and Timothy's book was told, let no one despise your youth, but be an example of the believers. Um, that kind of um, teaching that Paul gives these younger guys as they he leaves them behind to establish churches um, is going to be helpful for us to learn. And if you were the church on the island of Crete, and you knew what your pastor, let's say Pastor Titus, uh, was told by Paul, you're like, well, Paul told you to do this, and you're not doing it, you would have some response, what can I tell Paul on you, <laughs> if they were immature, um, so, but having, having some more instruction, uh, besides Titus 1, 5 to 9, is going to be helpful for, for Titus to be reminded of what's expected of him as um, a godly leader, so, we finished uh, Titus 2, 5 uh, last time, that uh, God's word wouldn't be reviled or blasphemed. And so anytime we know what to do as Christians and we don't do it, we give God's enemies a reason to blaspheme. It was true of David was sitting in Bathsheba. He knew that was wrong. And Nathan said, you've given God's enemies a reason to blaspheme. And now that we've got a full text of scripture, Anything that we have in scripture that's clear that we have to obey as a church and we refuse to obey it, um, then we are giving God's enemies a chance to blaspheme. And we don't want God's word, it says here, the word of God to be reviled. It should not be blasphemed. God's word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, which we heard Sunday in Sunday school. And so we. We're going to show people the power of God's word to change lives, to go from a Christian culture, a very ungodly, uncontrolled um, culture to very controlled. And self-control is a huge theme of these older and younger godly uh, men and women. So verse six, it says, likewise, okay, that should ring a bell uh, because verse three said older women, likewise. And uh, so the older women, like the older men, godly, and the younger men, like the younger women. Okay, so if we went back to uh, what the, was expected of younger women and make it apply to, make it apply to uh, husbands as well, you'd say, okay, this would match what else scripture says too. So if the younger women are to love their husbands and children, then the younger men are to love their wives and children. Do we have loving your wife elsewhere in scripture? Well, very clearly we do in Ephesians 5. Okay, so, and then loving your children. Uh, Ephesians 6, children obey your parents. Fathers don't provoke your children to wrath, but they should be loving. So children should have loving parents whose responsibility is not, whose example is not like the Christian culture, but they're godly, they're dignified, they're respectable. Uh, when children come home, they understand mom and dad both love them. They want them there. 
They don't treat them like slaves. They don't treat them like you're just a bother. You're a nuisance. Just leave me alone. Stay out of my way. Don't touch my stuff. All these things that ungodly dads could say to children, godly men should not be saying uh, to their children as on a, on a regular basis in a harsh way. And so the younger men need to love their husbands or love their wives, I mean, um, and Ephesians 5 gives us a lot of detail what that looks like, verses 25 and following of Ephesians 5, and then love their children. Younger men in verse 6 are to be self-controlled. Now, as I read these, there is a list of things for multiple things for the older men, older women, younger women, and then younger men, he, he gives them, we would say, a pass of just what just self-control that's it surely there's more for younger men to be working on but with that likewise he's building on okay if there's one thing that that we train young men to be what would it be one thing it's here self-control okay to think before you act we would probably tell women Think before you talk because they're not to be slanderers, the older women. But for young men, they need to think before they act. And I was a young man once, and I'm sure I've heard from my mom and grandmother. I gave them gray hair <laughs> and I stressed them out quite a bit. And since I've been married uh, 20, almost 22 years now, I've given my wife a lot of reason to say, John, did you did you think? before you acted okay so i got married at age just turned 23 and so yeah. um i was still a young man and compared to comparatively speaking <laughs> maybe middle-aged now but i still need to learn to be self-controlled i still do things and i think why did i do that okay and a godly godly young man will want to be godly okay uh, if you look at um, Psalm 119, I'm going to assume that is a godly young man because he says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By uh, keeping it in line with God's word. And then he says in verse 11 that we know, uh, your word have I hid or treasured in my heart so that I won't sin against you. So we have to invest in godly young men and we're encouraging them don't do what you want to do. <laughs> Don't do what you your friends want to do. Don't be talked into doing foolish things. Be self-controlled. Think before you act. And the question that we have to ask ourselves as young men is, would this please God? Because if it doesn't please God, and we know with a full Bible, we know what pleases God and what doesn't. Now, there are some gray area um, of, that, that, that scripture doesn't talk about TV and how to drive a car and other, um, other dangerous things that we may attempt as young men without thinking. Uh, but we do have to uh, think before we act. And young men usually are more risk takers. Um, but we will risk our lives for the gospel and for godly things but i don't think we should be risking our lives for foolish things and things that to make ourselves look good 
and things that we're, we want to be the center of attention. And so uh, younger men are to be, and it says, urge them, um, beg them, plead with them uh, to, to be godly. So the biggest problem I'm going to assume with this one uh, thing, um, this one challenge for the younger men, the biggest problem of young men that keeps them from being the tightest two to honorable older men is self-control. So you think about middle-aged to older men that aren't self-controlled and they are opposite of, they're not godly. They're not Titus 2.2. And there's a list of things there that we're expecting the younger men to grow up to be the older men. And a, a pattern, a consistency of thinking before you act and will this please God and denying yourself, dying to yourself, as Christ said to his followers. And I think his followers, I read a book uh, that, that assumed that a lot of his disciples were teenagers, except for possibly Peter, who had to pay the tax, and 20-somethings and older, 20-year-olds and older had to pay the tax. But his other disciples weren't married. Peter was married. And if they weren't married, and likely they were apprenticing under their fathers to be fishermen and other other um, things, they likely could have been teenagers. And so, um, and that, that would be their time of when they would be an apprentice. And so Jesus took these apprentice age young men and made them fishers of men and said, okay, you guys are, were apprentices as, and some of them had other jobs. We only know Matthew's job and we don't, aren't sure how old the other disciples uh, were, but likely some of them were very young men. I'm going to assume most of them were younger than Jesus as they, John, the apostle lives to 80, 90 as he writes his last book. So he probably wasn't an older man when Jesus was, he's following Jesus in 80, 30 and to live another 60 years. And we know Daniel and his three friends, the younger men showed incredible self-control. So we have Joseph, we have godly younger men, Samuel, we have godly younger men in scripture that are examples before Titus was written, that Titus, as he is helping this, this these churches get established, to look back at scripture and say, look at the godly young men in scripture. Look at the men who grew up to be godly older men, respectable. Samuel, in, in particular, extremely respectable older man, who all of Israel wanted to follow and were so glad that he was there. Uh, leader and hated to see him pass off and did not want to follow his sons because they weren't respectable. And so we have, we have examples of self-controlled young men and what they did and didn't do in, in scripture. Verse seven uh, transitions from the younger men um, and the older, older men, older women, younger women, younger men to Titus, I think is, show yourself. This is singular. Uh, so it, it is one person. And also back in verse one, uh, it, as for you, teach what accords the sound doctrine and that you there is also singular. So it's one person that Paul's writing to. And if it's the you, then it has to be the, the person he writes the book to. Okay. So he's writing the book to Titus. He writes Titus 2, 1 for Titus. He writes the Titus 2, 7 and 8 for Titus as well. 
He says, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. Okay, so if you've got older men that they aren't godly, they need a model. They need an example. Uh, you've got a plan of what godly older men are to be in Titus 2.2. But if they don't have anybody to model, okay, Titus, you, if you have no older godly men, then you train men, even if they're older, to be godly, okay? And you're the example, Titus, as we would expect. Godly leaders are leading by example. So you show yourself, Titus, in all respects. So allow them to see every aspect of your life and that you are to be an example, a model of good works. So this is your lifestyle. Um, is a model of good works and then in your teaching so this is what and you're allowing people to see all aspects of your life and saying wow how do you do how do you stay self-controlled Titus in this situation and, and if you're Titus as a pastor of a church that is full of people who are liars lazy and they're evil out of control people your patience is going to be tested constantly Okay. And so Titus is to be self-controlled, to be godly, respectable. And he is sound in faith and love and steadfastness of the of the Titus 2 too. And he's showing these older and younger uh, people how to be godly by his example. But he's also, Paul says, okay, now in your teaching, I want you to show integrity. This word has the idea of purity or not corrupt. If you're in a lying culture, everything is suspect. You don't believe anybody. But it should be different if you come to a church and he's teaching God's word. He's teaching sound doctrine, healthy doctrine. And you can compare what he's saying with the, the written word of God that you have available to you. And you're saying everything he's saying is matching with what scripture is saying. Okay, so they're analyzing his his teaching, and these once ungodly unbelievers are now trusting Christ as their Savior, and they are still struggling to be godly, and they have an example in Titus, and Titus is is saying, is teaching them integrity. What he says, hey, I'll be there at three o'clock. He's there at three o'clock. Hey, I will help you on Saturday. He helps them on Saturday. He is a man of his word. Okay. And as he teaches God's word, his lifestyle is matching the truth of God's word. So his teaching is pure. It's uncorrupt. He's not trying to manipulate because the Cretans have been manipulated by all kinds of people. Untrustworthy leaders they've had, and they maybe still have. Political leaders are untrustworthy. Uh, but not so in the church. Titus is to be a a young man, middle-aged man, maybe, who is, his teaching is full of integrity. And then uh, the next word, what do you see as the next word after integrity? Re what was yours? Uh, gravity. Gravity or reverence and dignity. Where have you seen the word dignity or reverence before? Same word back in verse two. I'll let you find it there. Mm -hmm. Right. So Titus is teaching. He's teaching in a way 
that the older godly men are resonating with him. Their lifestyle is now respectable, and they're watching this younger than them man teach God's word. And they're saying, the way he teaches is the way we're living. Okay. And it is the same word to dignity or respectable, reverence, honorable. Honorable has the idea of gravity or weight. There's there's some substance and it's attached to godly character. So the character of Titus matches the teaching of Titus and is training all of these ungodly age groups to be godly. And we know what godliness looks like because we've got these lists in, in two, to, two to six. And then he has another word, okay? Um, verse seven, or verse eight now. This is a word that we know what it means. We've seen it multiple times. Verse eight, it's the word sound. What it, what does it mean? We have looked at it. Solid, Solid? okay. It will be a, a theme of the whole book, the healthy, I gave it away, healthy church, okay? Healthy, okay? And you saw this in 2.1, in 2.2, in 2.5, I believe. Um, and I'm not seeing it in, in 2.5, um, but it's definitely here in 2.8. It was in chapter 1. Uh, that the church is to be um, sound in faith back in verse 13 of 2, and maybe, or in chapter 1, verse 8. I think it was one other place I didn't write it down. I don't have my notes from previous, but having it five times in a short section of scripture is why I chose the idea of healthy church being the theme of the book of Titus. And you'll see it here that Titus's teaching is to have the sound speech, healthy speech. And then he gives an example of um, the reason. What is healthy speech? What, what is true of healthy speech is the next phrase in verse 8. So what do you see there? Healthy speech cannot be... Cannot be condemned, right? So there's not or criticized. Okay. So if you have a sound argument, your opponent doesn't have a rebuttal. If you have a sound logic, then what is opposite of that is illogical. So what Paul's doing in Romans is giving us a lot of logic, a lot of truth, a lot of doctrine that the opposite looks, oh, that's ridiculous. Okay. And so it is with Titus's teaching. As he teaches these people, because if you're growing up in a lying, lazy culture, you're making excuses, you're manipulating, and there's all kinds of ways to trick people. And you've learned that from a child. From the time you could walk and, and, and learn to, to talk, you're learning how to lie. You're learning how to trick people. And now you're coming to a church and you're learning how to tell the truth. You're learning how to be self-controlled. You're learning how to be godly. And Titus is your example. Um, and his teaching is an example of how you teach. You don't trick your kids into obeying. You tell them there is truth here. God says that you are to obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And I am not going to, as a, as a dad, 
um, exacerbate you or to provoke you to anger and then punish you for getting angry. Um, I can't do that because I would be breaking God's word of Ephesians 6, 4. But we're going to hold you to the standard, children, of, of obeying. So you can expect mom and I to love you in this home. And we're going to expect you to be to growing in self-control because this is what younger men and younger women are to be. And so um, your teaching is with truth. It's not with lying. It's not with manipulation. If mom and dad, you say something and you, you follow up because your words are pure, integrity, respectable. You're, you're, you are earning respect as you are a person of your word. And then your sound speech cannot be condemned. This would probably match the end of verse five, where the word of God may not be reviled. So when we have godly living, God's word can't be blasphemed. And when you have godly teaching and godly living from your leaders, then those who would come to a church, maybe even as unsaved, and they'll say to people who invited them, what's the catch here? Why is everybody so nice? What do you guys want? Okay. And we hear this from an ungodly culture. Uh, that's a good sign. And we'll say, there is no catch. How much money do I have to give to keep coming here? You don't have to give money in the offering box to keep coming here. You mean I can come here and not? Yeah. Mm -hmm. How much is the car show? It's free. What? <laughs> Nothing is free. Well, hot dogs and chips are free. Well, they're not free. We're paying for them, but you can't buy them. They're free. Uh, the church wants to be a blessing to you. Who wants to be a blessing to me? Like, okay, that this, this idea of someone giving you something, expecting nothing in turn is foreign to a lying, evil, lazy culture. You know, people are working hard and they're not, most people at, at the car show, they're not getting paid to be here to wear a Grace Bible Church shirt and top. No, they're volunteering. Okay, and so helping people understand um, sound speech. And when we give sound speech, as we give God's truth, the, the world may not like God's 10 commandments, but they're God's commands and they uh, can't be criticized um, for you should not lie. You tell a lying culture, you shouldn't lie. And they know they shouldn't lie. Why? Because they have a conscience as well. And so sound speech uh, cannot be condemned. So that it says here at the end of verse eight, that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about. I would expect the word you here, but it uses the word us. So it has to include the word us. Well, who do you think that includes? I would expect the word you because the rest of it was you, but he says us. It definitely includes Paul because he's writing. And when he says us, he means himself included. It may mean besides Titus, who else do you think? The Christians, right? And I think that because it's in the context of godly people. And when he broadens it from Titus, Titus, Titus to us, I'm going to assume that it's at least Paul and Titus. If not, 
if you're godly in the Christian church, you're coming alongside of Titus and you're doing this. You may not publicly teach, but you're privately telling um, people exactly what Titus is saying publicly. So all the godly people of, of the, the Christian churches um, could, could be included and likely could be included here in this, that as they go out and spread from, from their worship services and Bible studies and prayer times to, to the community, um, they're known as different and the community has nothing evil to say about that church. That's what we want, right? That's what we want. We want to be a light and salt here to our community. And as we get to talk to people and we're, where our homes look like this are how we function as a church, older help and the younger we gather and our godly leaders are teaching sound in a sound way that um, there's nothing that can be criticized, condemned of how they're handling God's word. And if there are people that are there that are opposed to what Titus is saying, those people look foolish because they're, opposing god right and they can be convinced that this is just god's truth and this truth hasn't changed and this is the same truth that paul gave titus is the same truth we're given today the same truth titus was giving he can look back and look at the same lifestyle that titus is living same way joseph lived same way daniel lived hundreds if not thousands of years earlier Godly people's lives don't, don't change that much. They're always countercultural, but they always look like this. And then godly teaching always looks like this too. And so you evaluate. And if you as a congregation are seeing things that our teaching, our leadership doesn't match this, whether it's Titus 1, 5 to 9 or Titus 2, 7 and 8, what is your, what's your next step? You come talk to us. Yeah. <clears throat> Say, hey, I'm... You have reason, you're saying things that are manipulative, they're not true, they're not sound, they're not healthy, they're not helping us to be healthy, you're causing us to doubt what you're saying, and you're causing people outside the church to criticize us, as we're following lies, and so if we're staying close to God's word, we'll be fine, if we're obeying and living God's word, we'll be fine. And that's our that's our plan as a church. That was Paul's plan to help Titus. That was Titus's plan to help uh, these healthy churches uh, stay healthy. So stop there. Any questions?